the way I've been doing these is, is just like a straight up conversation. All right, cool. Um, Hope I don't sound dumb. You won't sound dumb. <laughs> everyone said that, and everyone sound awesome. everybody to harsh truths podcast i bet you thought that i forgot to put out the episode uh, the truth is i had not forgotten i had edited the episode down and just needed to record this introduction when if you know me in my personal life uh, i love professional wrestling and this weekend happened to be wrestlemania and even if i didn't watch five and a half fucking hours of wrestlemania I would have still ended up watching over 30 hours of independent professional wrestling starting last Thursday. Again, uh, it's a true passion of mine, and uh, I, I sort of shirked my responsibility to the podcast in order to um, immerse myself in predetermined sports entertainment. So, you know, I apologize for the delay, but... You know, anything I fuck up is always made up for in the quality of my guests and their work and the conversations that we have. I'm going to do things a little differently today Uh, rather than do a wrap-up at the end. uh, I think I'm just going to let the interview speak for itself. So I want to get a couple plugs out of the way. First off, I do want to send a shout-out to Thousands of Dead Gods Records at 867 Broadway in Brooklyn, New York. That's the Punk Alley. Uh, If you're not in New York City, you can always check out Discogs.com. The seller name is Dead Gods. That's Matt and Justin, uh, Scant and Shredded Nerve, respectively, who will be guests on the podcast in the near future. Um, Obviously, the record store is geared towards harsh noise and experimental music, so I can't recommend it enough. I also want to send a shout-out to Torn Light Records. They're at 406 Fairfield Avenue in Bellevue, Kentucky. Uh, You can contact them uh, either through the Internet or you can call them at 859-415-2638. Another fantastically curated record store, uh, not just with noise, but with uh, punk, metal, hardcore, pretty much anything you can imagine. Uh, Excellent zine selection as well, so shout-out to those guys. And lastly, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Hanson Records at 25 and a half West College Street. Uh, that's in Oberlin, Ohio. Uh, they're on the second floor, so just follow the signs if you're out that way. Go to HansonRecords.net. Uh, big thanks to Tooth and to Aaron for holding a couple. Um, well, they're not rare, but I didn't have them. Uh, more CLPs for me. So thanks, guys. Uh, and, and please, everyone, if you have an independent record store, in your community and they support the experimental and noise scene uh, you really need to go out there and support them Uh, it's it's extremely important you know we can't just exist on the internet my guest today is omar gonzalez from no dreams machismo rectal hygienics and uh, he also runs depravity label and runs the venue club rectum Uh, omar has been a longtime supporter of my work is 
the, I think he's the only person that's booked every project that I've played live with. So um, that's a lot, and that takes a lot of patience and tolerance on any promoter's end. So uh, thanks again, Omar, for that. We had this conversation right before the Consumer Electronics Show that happened at Club Rectum last year. So I, like I've said every time, you know, we've got these episodes that are a bit more archival. Some of the information might be a little outdated, but, you know, most of what we're talking about uh, doesn't really, isn't really time sensitive. So hope you enjoy. As always, again, please let me know what you think. You can email me at harshtruthspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook if you just search Harsh Truths Podcast. Or if you use Twitter, you can shoot me a message or tweet me at Plague Mother. Uh, all right. Thanks, everyone. And on with the show. So I've got Omar Gonzalez here with me tonight. Uh, he's in uh, Machismo, does no dreams by himself in the band Rectal Hygienics, basically a Chicago noise, uh, what's the word, a, a noise, a, a pillar in the noise scene of Chicago. Uh, Omar, how's it going? Going good. Going good? Sweet. Yeah. So um, I guess we'll just start it off with some basic info, man. Uh, so. Are you, we know your name's Omar. Yeah. Uh, so you were born in the area? Are you originally from Chicago? Yes, originally from Chicago. Uh, moved around a lot, you know, but from here. General, raised general here. Chicago area. Yeah. Spent a lot of time in surrounding neighborhoods, uh, northwest suburbs too for a minute. So when when were you first exposed to like, I guess uh, maybe not necessarily extreme music, but music that wasn't mainstream music? Hmm. I think I had a buddy in high school, or actually before that, who got me into heavy metal music. And that was kind of my gateway to, you know, discovering noise, you know, whatever. Right. Everything right. else. When did you start playing music? Um, I picked up my first instrument at 11. I picked up the drums. Okay. Uh, my mom got me my first drum set. And, yeah, I, I, I'm a drummer, drummer boy. Was there yeah. any impetus for getting the drums? Like, was there some... Was that her choice to pick the drums, or did you pick the drums? I, I picked the drums, but um, <laughs> my parents had just gone through a divorce. Okay. And I think she was trying to, uh, you know, look out for us or something. And, right. you know, yeah. Yeah. When my parents first divorced, uh, my dad bought me this really expensive BMX bike. Mm. So, oh, I, nice. I could, you know, I think, I think it's a common, like, recently divorced parents thing to try to, like, <laughs> buy something yeah. to throw in the other parent's face, or maybe just to, like, try to try to communicate in some way that things are going to be okay to the, to right. the kids you know yeah, uh so your parents divorced 
or around 11, you said? Uh, it was before that. Before but that? This okay. was around when, when I got that drum set. It okay. was already, you know, we were already in the new house with, like, her new husband and stuff like that. So it, okay. it was, like, a three-year process, so... Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a good relationship with both your parents, or do you do you presently? Uh, yeah, I'd say good relationship is. Um, I, I think I have a okay relationship with my dad. With my mom, it's a little. More, I'm a little more close with her. Okay. I'm a little more open with her. She knows a lot about what's going on with me and stuff, and she's pretty supportive about well, pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. So my dad's a little more. Um, you know, sweep it under the rug type guy. I don't know. Doesn't like to confront real issues and, you know, just kind of tries to have a good time with me and we don't really talk about anything serious. Are uh, both your parents Latino? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So the pretty archetypal, strong, silent Latino dad type. Yeah, I guess so. He's he's kind of odd, though. Um, yeah, very cordial. Um, real nice guy. But yeah, he's definitely got some you know, some issues on from you know himself. <laughs> so um, picked up the drums at eleven, started banging on them. Uh, when when did you have your first band? Uh, kind of right away. Really? Yeah, okay. I think after a year, uh, my drum instructor was like, "I think you're uh, you know you can start a band if you want or something." He said something nice. along those lines. I'm like, "All right, I will." Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's something I always wanted to do. It, we, yeah, friends, you know, high school buddies or whatever. Yeah. Was, yeah. It, was it punk music right away or like? Just uh, we else? started covering Nirvana songs. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So we did that. Got into, you know, started playing the drums, and then in the high school you got into heavy metal, punk. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. So pretty much. I'm assuming that at some point that that kind of music spoke to you. Maybe, you know, like it seems like a lot of times at that general age, we find those of us who are in like the underground uh, heavy music scene, there's something around that age that that music speaks directly to us or yeah. draws us to it. Most of the time, it's you know we don't we don't really fit in where we're at or we've got some reason to feel a little a little outside the norm. Did you have? those kind of feelings like at that at that time are you feeling out of place or yeah I think so I definitely I think uh yeah music definitely helped me you know along through high school and stuff like that um an outlet I never did anything else like sports or anything like that yeah. it's pretty pretty non-existent <laughs> right. aside from you know the group of friends I had uh you yeah. Um, I think there was like something I was looking for because I don't know I didn't really connect with like you know heavy metal bands like you know Priest or Pantera or you know just shit I liked it wasn't until later I really started like you know finding shit I was really really into just kind of a gateway seems it's pretty common thing like you know you find that you're drawn towards that music because it kind of you tend to identify with with the the kind of the outsider feeling of it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that oddly enough ends up kind of leading into, you know, especially with like punk and hardcore. Yeah. You, you know, there's that actual sense of community where it's a you know it's a uh, a chosen group of uh, like sort of like a like a chosen family of yeah. misfits that that uh, tend to get support from each other, but 
Yeah. You know, a lot of times, especially, you know, I don't know how it was growing up in like a area like Chicago because it's such a big, big area yeah. and there's so much going on. You know, I know in like smaller towns or like even like, you know, in the area I was outside of Cleveland, even though there was uh, that kind of scene in Cleveland and a lot of the younger people or people that were my age at the time were, were kind of closely knit us that were basically outside of daily driving distance. We were kind of, you know, on the outside and we, we certainly were still friends and still considered mm-hmm. part of that community. But, you know, I felt like the, the isolation got to us a lot more, mm-hmm. uh, in, in kind of drove us in a little bit of a different, different fashion. Did, were you part of like a really closely knit punk scene when you were like in, um, you know, like your early, like your late teens, early, early twenties. I, I definitely had a group of friends, but, uh, it was definitely nothing, um, you know, nothing substantial i mean i i hung out with a you know bunch of crazy you know punk dudes or whatever but um at the time we were going we were all living in the suburbs and stuff and i think we'd we'd hardly make it to shows in the city together just because we never had a car or whatever you know we just like you know didn't really know what to do so we'd we had uh you know just a lot of time to ourselves to like fucking drink and do whatever so not really. I've always been kind of just like, you know, on the outskirts of like, you know, ever belonging to anything really, you know. I've always just been so, you know, I don't know what the word is. I've never really belonged to anything. It's right. only been as of recent that I feel like, you know, I'm a part of like some sort of like community, like okay. with the noise scene and stuff like that and like yeah. what we got going on here. You know, kind of creating your own, like, type of chosen family, like you say, and just, you know, helping other people out that, you know, you care about and, like, musical projects or noise projects that you give a shit about. Um, yeah, it was it was a long time before I, I even felt any of that, so. Did you, I'm sort of going linear, so I don't, I don't I'm not sticking on that mm-hmm. time period for very long. It's just, I want to explore that a little bit. Yeah, totally. Just so it make I don't sound like a broken record or anything, mm-hmm. but, like, did you find your experience, your day-to-day experience as like a, you know, like a teenager, like was that, you know, as I imagine as a punk, you know, as, as a punk kid, like anywhere, whether you're in the city or in those suburbs or wherever, if you're not like the average high schooler, you're probably getting fucked with. I oh mean, yeah. I definitely got fucked with in high school. Yeah. Getting yeah. fucking picked on by everybody. And you know, it fucking sucked. Yeah. Yeah, definitely used to get beat up. Um, I would get in trouble a lot at school. We had just moved there from the city, so I really didn't have any many friends, you know, so that was really hard. Um, yeah, I, I had very few friends when we first got there, and it was, like, the suburbs, so I feel like kids are a little fucking shittier out there or something. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're shitty everywhere, but, um, man, yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, I, if I remember correctly, you said you kind of grew up in this neighborhood that we're in now. Yeah. And yeah. it's definitely like like a stronger Latino community. Mm-hmm. It seems pretty closely knit. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'd imagine in the suburbs, that's probably not the case. Yeah. It's, Did yeah. you deal with a lot of that? Or? Yeah, there was a lot of racism and stuff. Yeah. yeah, getting picked on for being, you know, Latino or whatever. Uh, majority of kids that were beating me up were like fucking white kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, but also other kids too, like, it really... Yeah, I was just a target. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it sucked. Yeah. I remember when I was in uh, elementary school, 
Uh, my, I, I grew up in Georgia, you know, mm-hmm. before I moved to Cleveland in my high school years. Um, my dad was outside of the bus stop waiting for me one afternoon, which was uncommon because he worked really long hours. Mm-hmm. And my dad, unlike unlike me, I'm I don't I got my skin tone for my mom, but mm-hmm. my dad is 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 pretty dark, very obviously Hispanic man, mm-hmm. and uh, he was just waiting there to to pick me up you know like and walk me you know to the down the driveway and uh the next day i just got the living shit kicked out of me holy fuck because uh, some kids on the bus saw you know yeah and uh it's just it's just so fascinating to me that like i guess it, growing up in the south it was a little more it was a little less surprising but it's surprising to hear like you know in like a you know a seemingly progressive right. bastion like the chicago area that yeah. like that kind of stuff goes on but i guess you know we we all kind of know that that stuff goes on everywhere yeah, it exists everywhere unfortunately you yeah. know what i mean yeah yeah i mean that goes a long way to building like that kind of anger that you know it just intensifies that feeling of being you know an outsider yeah. and, and wanting to like lash out and, and be i mean legitimately angry you know you're not just mm-hmm. necessarily looking for reasons to be angry at that point you yeah. have them um how how aware would would you say you were at like that age like about why you might be angry does that question make sense yeah i don't know if i was totally aware of what was going on there was definitely um many reasons i grew up angry yeah um you know i guess i don't know coming from a divorced you know, family had, I'm pretty sure had some sort of effect on me moving to a new town. You don't know anybody. You don't know any friends. You don't have any friends. Um, yeah. Getting picked on because you're fucking Mexican or or whatever, you know, I was getting into trouble a lot, you know? Um, and the fun I'd be getting, you know, you know, I'd be getting into with, uh, friends and stuff and, you know, we'd get in trouble just, trying to hang out and you know so I mean I don't know there was a lot of just just kind of negative feelings growing up yeah, yeah. a lot I don't know I don't know how where I was but uh I don't know I feel like I feel like things get worse when, as you get older you start to realize you know the bad things a lot more I mean yeah. things definitely become more aware yeah you're able to kind of see the context yeah, of exactly. what you're experiencing where as when you're younger you're just experiencing it you're just trying to grow up basically what was your so you had like a height like a like a like a high school rock band basically Mm -hmm. or i guess it was really more like a middle school rock band yeah when when did you start doing like punk bands um i guess in high school i kind of jammed around with a lot of people yeah i was definitely in high school i mean nothing ever you know important (laughs) or anything but uh yeah, definitely jammed with a lot of kids in high school. Um, I remember I was one of the only drummers, you know, within a group of friends, so kind of got to jam with everybody. So yeah, I was gonna say drummers are usually a hard to come no, by or whatever. Yeah, hard to come by. Yeah. Uh, what would you say is like your first like significant band that you you started or you were in? Mm, probably because. Anything, everything else didn't fucking matter. I was when I really first felt like 
proud of what we were doing uh, was when I was in uh, socially, socially Retarded. Okay. Um, that was pretty fun. Yeah. That's when I first, first met, first met uh, Mitch and Jimmy and all them. And, uh, yeah, man, um, we had a, a crazy fun time together. Yeah, yeah playing some fuck cool shows. Yeah, I mean, you guys played around a lot, like, out of, out of town and everything. Yeah. So. What, were you, what was your earliest exposure to noise? You know what, man? I think when I first started thinking about noise, it's like its own thing. Uh, it was when I first met um, my homeboy, Adam Jennings who uh, was in Winners in Osaka, and I, m- I met him when he first started that project. I knew, like, the other grind bands he was in. Um, oh, years ago, I met him, and, yeah, um, I think he might have been, like, my first real exposure to, like, that sort sort of shit from what I can remember. And, uh, yeah, I think that's that's how I got into it. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I have very hazy memory <laughs> right right but uh, I'm pretty sure that was it man um, I'm pretty sure I heard things before he exposed me to you know whatever he exposed me to but I'm pretty sure yeah he was definitely you know key role in, in you know right that's like discovered. the first yeah. substantial yeah you know I think it was was it Constrictions the band that you were yeah with you um yeah Robbie and was Aaron was that the first time you guys were kind of doing noise or that was my yeah cause I had jammed with um Adam and stuff in Winners uh, I was on like a couple tapes and you know did a couple things with them like live shows or whatever that was like my first yeah exposure to it but I think Constrictions was my first like project I had started with somebody it didn't last very long but right. yeah yeah did Machismo come next or yeah Machismo was after Okay. I had broken up with that, uh, with those dudes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So we can kind of dive into that. So it's mostly there's been a kind of a revolving cast of other other players, but primarily it's been you and Mitch. Yeah, it's been me and Mitch. Now it's uh, James, James James Moy from Yeah Bloody Minded. Yeah. Um, how long have you known? Mitch, like when did you guys meet up? And well, we first met when we joined Social Retarded, so that's got to be like, um, I don't know, man, maybe like close to 10 years ago now, or I don't even know because it was like three years together in that band, and then there was like a couple years before we started Rectal, maybe right after eight to ten years ago, I don't know, something like that. Okay, it's been a while, yeah. Okay, what kind of what was the impetus for for starting Machismo? Well, Social Retarded had broken up, and um, I don't know, Mitch has always been um, somebody who has wanted to make music with me, no matter what it was. Uh, we always just, like, stuck it out together. We've always been us two. So, I don't know, just kind of trying to fill that void, you know? Um, at the time, I don't think there was anybody else we were able to jam with at the time, so we started making noise on our own, and, yeah, you know, right. trying to play shows, just trying to do it, so, right. Yeah. I think it was 2010, maybe 2010 is when that first that first tape came out. Oh no, I'm trying yeah. to think of what it was called. It wasn't called Abuse Patterns because that's a totally different project. Yeah, it was. Uh, a, it was the same time as that. Humiliation and attitude. Yeah, humiliation yeah. and attitude. Yeah. So I mean, right out the gate, well, right out the gate, the project's called Machismo. Yeah. I mean, it sort of sort of has a <clears throat> you know a it's a pretty strong name. You know, there's a lot of different connotations that you can take from it right. um, mostly negative <laughs> most, yeah mostly negative to, to most people uh, yeah. what 
what was the what was the reasoning behind choosing that name at the time? Or? Oh, there was a lot going on, man. Um, it's it's a sarcastic name, definitely. Um, it's not glorifying machismo, you know, at um, at all in humans and men. Uh, it's definitely not that. Uh, it's more of a sarcastic, you know, use of the term. I remember at the time, <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, I I was living with a girl, and she had a friend who um, would always come to the house, and would just fucking um, I don't know, like try to like intrude on you know, because we were dating, mm-hmm. and he'd be the biggest fucking asshole, and you know, always trying to get with her and stuff, and would you know say I'm a fucking bro dude or whatever and like you know would say all this shit about me when he was the one you know coming around and acting macho and you know trying to play fucking mind games and uh you know you know I definitely wrote a couple songs about him and you know (laughs) it was just you know I'm not a macho dude per se like I guess everybody can be I don't think there's anything wrong with it as long as you're not like you know abusing anybody or you know I think it's okay to be macho, you know, as long as it's in a positive way, I guess. Yeah, sure. But yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's about a lot of things, I guess. Do you, do you and Mitch kind of share the, the writing process, both, both sound and words? Yeah, it's definitely both just, you know, whatever we're feeling at the time. You know, when I, when I think about seeing machismo versus listening to machismo on a tape, you know, the tapes are in incredible and pretty composed you know it seems like there's really there's very clearly defined parts and Mm -hmm. movements and and you know i don't think many if any of the lyrics have been put in the inserts themselves but you can make out lines and and stuff like that so there's something going on there Mm -hmm. uh live just as good a little more of like a like a ritual almost yeah. you know there's a lot of i mean it's 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 machismo is the perfect word for for the performance because yeah. it's it's all the things that you associate with that word you know and yeah. at least to me like when i hear it the word machismo though, yeah. i think of like an alcohol drenched yeah like drug fueled <laughs> fight yeah uh, and that's sort yeah. of the vibe that comes that comes when when I've seen you guys, and a couple times that's sort of been what it actually was. Yeah. <laughs> but um, true that. Do you, when you're going into recording, do you approach the recording like that, or is it a little different? Uh, uh I think when we're laying down noise, it's uh, probably the exact opposite. Okay. I think we take a little more time to like create, you know, you know, texture and you know, compose an actual fucking you know, you know, release or whatever. Um, I think when we're doing vocals, it may, it, it, you know, may bleed into that, or that, you know, uh, that's why there's no lyrics really, <laughs> like, okay. in the tapes. I mean, it's almost near impossible. I mean, we, there's always just notebooks and, like, pages of shit we're going through, and, you know, at the time, I think we're really fucked up, and, you know, yeah. trying to just get it, that fucking emotion through. Right. To, uh the recording or whatever so next day yeah, I mean you can't really piece together lyrics or any of that shit so kind of just leave all, leave it all out do but you, yeah do you think that 
machismo can exist outside of that. Uh, I don't want to call it a vacuum, but that outside of that creative space, mm-hmm. do you? Can you imagine doing machismo like completely sober, or is it just not? It's not a part of of that that oh, creation. You it, know? It, it probably could be. I mean, you probably could be. I mean, it, it yeah. would all depend on where we were at. Right. Um, the reason I ask is because you know, when I'm doing Plague Mother, um, live it's a little different because live I can kind of disconnect a little more and, and kind of just do what I what I what I recorded. Mm. But when I record, I'm I'm channeling such a I'm channeling a, a very negative space, and I have to be. It, it's such a fine line because I'm either on one side of that feeling where I feel too good to mm. come up with the material, mm. and then on the other other side of that, it's I feel so bad I can't right can't, can't do it. <laughs> right. So for me, it you know if I mean the the sober questions kind of a moot point for me but like if someone was to say can you do plague mother happy i would say i don't i don't think i could i don't think i could do it if i felt good and even when i play live i kind of do have to like you know get in a shitty mood right Uh, it's hard to do like if i'm if i'm laughing um so that's why i asked i didn't i didn't mean i didn't want to frame the question like it's it's not coming off as like a you know i'm not looking down i'm asking like you know, is it? It's is it part and parcel of the yeah. of the create of the creative process for well, Machismo? I don't think it's ever existed outside of it yeah. yet. I mean, yeah. there's always been. I don't think there's been a time where we've uh, attempted to do it sober. Okay. I mean, drugs or alcohol are usually involved. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. an outlet, man. Yeah, um, definitely, and in, and it's irrational, and it's 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 all things. It's it's too broad to to even talk about I think I don't know it's it's a lot of personal you know just feelings and all that shit it's very raw and very yeah just just human and I think that that's what I know that's what attracts me to it is that I hear I think that's what other people are also seeing and hearing whether they're seeing you live or they're or they're listening to you on tape I think it transfers on in in both experiences Mm -hmm. that very raw yeah you it's, know, there's. It's like you said. It's kind of hard to describe, but it's just. It's just human, and it's in a very like. I'd say it exists in a strangely like gray area where, it's it's so real. Like, you listen to some some power electronics bands that probably wish they had thought of coming up with the name Machismo, hmm. and like the content it borders on comedic because it's so. It's just like no one really lives like, like no one. Well, some people do, but. I hope the guy from Nicole 12 doesn't live the Nicole 12 lifestyle. Exactly, yeah. Whereas, like, when you hear machismo, it's like, I know people that live that lifestyle, and yeah. I can understand that, and yeah. I can I can uh, uh, feel that, and, uh, you know, I think it's very, identi- it's very easy to identify with. Um, you know, I think about, like, the... You know the titles of some of some of the tapes. You know, like humiliation, and attitude, severe disconnect, mm-hmm. bodies and imperfection, mm-hmm. and uh, it seems like there's almost like a an emphasis on like just being disgusted with oneself. Yeah, there's a lot of that self-loathing. Yeah, I think it's a, is that a big fuel for the? It's a big, big fuel, man. That's all it's about, basically. You know, that's why I can't really 
you know, describe what the project's about because it's never been um, super conceptualized, which is what a lot of noise is these days, or at least a lot of power electronics, you know, there's always a theme to a project or something like that, you know. Machismo is just raw motion. Um, Given the time, you know, it it could be about anything, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just an outlet. It's, you know, retaliation. It's, It's anything, you know. Yeah. When I hear, when I hear the vocals, I, I often feel like I'm hearing the person yelling at themselves mm-hmm. more than yelling at someone else. Right. You know, and, and I think it's funny that you know you'll you'll hear some, you know, someone will criticize, you know, that project or some of your other pro, you know, the other uh, rectal hygienics, which we'll touch on mm-hmm. in a little bit. You know, with. You know, oh, it's misogynistic. It's it's this. It's that. It's mm. sexist. It's whatever. It's yeah. It's machismo, and yeah. it's uh, deeply to shit. me. I to me, I hear it. and I'm like, they're 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 confronting that issue with such an anger about it. It's not. It's honest. It's very honest because to to act like you as as a as a male bodied male identifying person to act like I don't have some some culturally ingrained misogyny is just that's ridiculous to deny that yeah and when I confront it with them myself I am I'm angry it's upsetting it's upsetting to realize you can be a piece of shit to people that you don't want to be a piece of shit to based solely off of something that you know is is all around you and I think that I think it's a kind of sad that people don't see it that way right. that people see it as oh they're saying this ergo they must be this exactly yeah I totally agree with that and uh, yeah when we first started writing uh, lyrics for Rectal you know people are always saying like oh this is just fucking shock bullshit like never meant to be shocking at all we never thought you know, anybody would react this way but yeah it came you know, it's not surprising, but it came a- a- actually as a surprise, like, you know. I guess we're just, you know, a little more, I don't know, desensitized or whatever you call it. But, um, you know, there's, you know, there's you know, actual victims out there, actual, you know, abuse victims and, you know, people who are going to be triggered by those t- types of words. And, you know, it's understandable, but um, I don't think it ever comes from a place of true bigotry or hate or any of that right you know it's just narrative it's just um it's just telling a story basically you know right and you and you touch on that you know saying maybe you're just desensitized to it and that that Mm. might be why it's why you're able to talk about it with like that kind of frankness and openness yeah for sure do you chicago's known pretty much everywhere else as as a violent city Mm. uh Chirac, as it's mm-hmm. called in some places, and you know, do you think that 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 desensitization can is partially because of where you're at? You, I mean, you're just you're just in an area where it seems like you're at least from the outside. I don't know what the perception is here because I don't live here, yeah. but when I look at news from Chicago, it's like, my God, it's like a third world country, and dude, it just seems like how could you not be desensitized to? There's fucking bullshit everywhere there is not only physical violence but you know you know I know people who you know 
gone through some fucked up shit living here. And I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. You know, growing up, you know, kids are fucking racist. Kids want to fight you. Kids want to beat you up. Parents fucking bickered all the time. You know, that's fucking, you know, that's pathological abuse. You know, I I think it's just, it's everywhere. I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily just Chicago or what it is about this place that, you know, makes everybody so violent or makes us number one in the violence charts. But um, I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint why. I'm not sure. Right. Yeah, I don't know. And maybe it's just... It's it's definitely not just Chicago, but I think that Chicago is so... It, it's strange because it's not it's 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 as big as New York and LA without mm-hmm. the kind of coastal mm-hmm. culture. It's yeah. very it's still got a very midwestern yeah cultural like experience and it's to me the midwest is always kind of a little more honest and upfront mm-hmm. than than the coasts not to knock all our friends that live on yeah, of course. the coasts but like you know we just there's there's less to lose here by being honest and I think that that you know, maybe that plays yeah, into true. it a little bit yeah. there is like, you know, we're it's easier for you guys to talk about those subjects because you don't feel like you have anything to lose by yeah. by talking to them and, and you know, maybe that's not desensitization. Maybe it's just an it's just the brutal Midwestern honesty about living in hell. Yeah. Um so that's a, that's another way to look at it, I that guess. Is, that is a way to look at it. I remember uh, someone once told us um, that, you know, people are going to really fucking hate you guys, uh, you know, once they see what your lyrics are about or whatever, and we're like, well, fuck it, because those people never supported us to begin with. Right. You know what I mean? Um, it doesn't matter. You're right. We don't have shit to lose, you know? Like, we do this on our own. I mean, this fucking space we're in now. I mean, this is all us, you know, people like to fucking talk shit and, you know, savor this and that, but, you know, there's people out there that need fucking, that need a fucking community, man, or whatever the fuck you want to call it, like, you know, you can't just, like, drop out because someone says you should. Sure. Uh, I don't know, people need to exist, and, you know, I like to surround myself with the shit I'm surrounded by, I guess, and the people we're fucking real man and who have gone through shit not you know people who are fucking easily offended or you know easily victimized by you know every single fucking you know thing they see on TV or the internet I mean there's real fucking issues out there you know I mean this is just this is all bullshit did you coin the the phrase no coast no hope no I'm pretty sure that was a Mackenzie. Mackenzie. I'm pretty sure that was Mackenzie. Okay. Yeah, I definitely yeah. didn't coin that term. You didn't coin it. No. Okay. I mean, it's it's so associated with Chicago. Yeah. You know, for obviously because yeah. you know, it, came, it came up from here, but I mean, the Noco sound, you know, from pretty much Buffalo on the way up to Minneapolis, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's really it's really brought us all together, and and, and you know. Uh, I do think there is a no-co sound, and even if it's uh, in different genres, it's it's almost like an atmosphere that you can feel. Yeah, man. You know, it's, and uh, it's dark. Yeah, it's dark. It's yeah. cold. Yeah, all the goddamn time. Yeah, and uh, you know, we all sort of live in a 
we live in the ruins of, of, of a failing industrial society and we're, you know, as, as the Rust Belt, we kind of get to see it first yeah. before the rest of the country and yeah. the rest of the world. Yeah, true. Um, do you feel like that sense of lo- location uh, has, a, has a big influence on, on your work? probably does I mean I mean for me like when I hear rectal like so many of the lyrics kind of tell the story of someone living in the underbelly of Chicago right so like that specific project has a very to me like feels Chicago to me yeah definitely I mean those songs uh, were about you know yeah being on the streets and um yeah man like living in a fucking city man you know, going to meet prostitutes, picking up drugs, whatever the fuck. It's fluffed. But, uh, I mean, I mean, we were all living in the fucking warehouse, you know, when we were in that band, when we had first started that band, writing those songs. So that's probably why it, it, you can feel it. You know? Yeah, I mean, can't be... Well, I guess you could, fuck, I don't know. In New York, you know... You can get scummy there too, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, I think it's scummy um, everywhere else, but I think in the Midwest, part of it's that. Uh, whereas you know, if you look on again, uh, man, we're just, I'm just railing on the coasts. So, <laughs> you know, if if you look at like New York or L.A., it it's got an underbelly for sure, but no. there's also, the glamour, no. the glitz, the the success, right? Whereas in in the in the no coast, right. it's just really the exist. underbelly, yeah. and then like everyone else just kind of getting by right there's not a lot of success i mean chicago probably has the most success but it's not glamorous and it's still kind of overshadowed by the amount of like you know gritty existence that there there is here so yeah true you know yeah yeah i think that it's just kind of an accepted Uh, I don't know if it's hopelessness so much, not hopelessness in a negative way, but it's it's like there's no expectation of a better outcome. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's very much like this is this is where things are, and this is what things are going to be, and we're just going to kind of stick it out. Yeah. You know. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, you mentioned the space we're in. We're in Club Rectum. Yeah. This is the second space that you've been a part of that I've been to. Mm-hmm. Um, did you write out of high school move into punk houses or no it's it was a uh, I have never really lived in a punk house. I think the first space I ever actually lived at was uh, the enemy space in Chicago okay, okay. Uh, Jason Soliday's um spot right um super notorious um classic fucking noise venue right. um, loft yeah he had really really good shit happen there mm-hmm. um Lots of history in that building. I lived there for a year. After that, I had moved into Treasure Town with Mitchell, right. the notorious Treasure Town. And then, um, yeah, from there we got evicted and then moved here. So, okay. yeah. So, I mean, it seems like, you know, from, you know, en- Enemy was a place where you lived, lived at mm-hmm. that was kind of already pre-existing mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of had its, was already in motion. Yeah. Treasure Town, you guys seem to really take ownership of that and, and yeah. help that build yeah. build towards what now is is here which is mm-hmm. 
really just the result of your of, of your guys' hard work. Yeah. Uh, building a building a, a space, a physical space, and the the kind of creative space for you know for an underground music community in Chicago yeah. that you know has an emphasis on on noise and not necessarily just noise, but but heavier art. Yeah. You know, I mean, you totally. guys have done a couple gallery mm-hmm. type showings here, yeah. and you know, there's there's punk bands play here. I've mm-hmm. God, I've seen metal bands play here yeah. and, you, know, you know this is pretty much the the hot destination in the midwest if you want to see a a good noise show you're coming to you're coming to this place that's um, fucking sick yeah do you do you ever think about that is that ever like do you ever feel like any pressure to like uh maybe not outdo the last show but it, mm-hmm. at the very least like keep keep it going and and um, you know if you do feel that pressure do you how do you how do you see yourself sustaining like a like a like a healthy community you know i think we've definitely taken a focus more so these days on like the actual like you call it noise um because we would do hardcore shows when we first started and like all that other shit kind of straight away from like metal shows punk shows hardcore shows like all that shit just because it's not really my thing that's not really our thing it would always just be a friend a favor for a friend or whatever because we got the space but uh, stop doing that we kind of do you know more noise oriented shows we you know we do some like techno techno like rave things here every now and then for the homies and stuff um uh but yeah yeah like definitely focus on the fucking noise I mean that's what that's what I'm all about you know Right. That's what I like to see happen here. Um, just, you know, yeah, just dark shit, man. I don't know. I guess, yeah, and from there, um, I don't know, the good shows just kind of like, you know, happen themselves. Are they f- kind of just falling in your lap at this point? <sighs> kind of, you yeah. know, you know. That's things, a good place to know. be. That's a good space to be. It's sick, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think given the space, you know, people come here and, you know, it's it's memorable, you know. I mean, the, this, the ballroom's, like, pretty big and, you know, it's not really like any other space you've been to. And no, not at all. Yeah. It's, it's not some dingy basement or some fucking, you know, shitty little room. Right. Which can be cool, but, you right. know, there's sort of a different vibe here. Yeah. It's got a pretty unique, unique vibe and it's just kind of fascinating to me that I can see... Uh, smaller regional noise act play for like 10 people yeah and it will feel just as it, it doesn't feel any less than seeing consumer electronics here right with exactly a couple hundred people it's, yeah. it's whether this place is packed or empty the not just the actual sound of the of the, of the space is mm-hmm. good but just the vibe is, is yeah. so it's just everyone's kind of yeah all in you know it's that moment yeah where everybody's yeah. just kind of you know locked in here right. for the fucking noise so it's what's about yeah. yeah yeah truly from what I understand this is kind of a, a situation here where you're not really too worried about being evicted or, or yeah, anything no, like that it's, you um, go it's, for a um, while yeah I got a, 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 a family yeah it's family t- um, you know tied yeah, yeah so it's pretty secure um yeah I don't see myself leaving <laughs> good, anytime good. soon. Good, definitely. I kind of touched on you. You've done some some gallery stuff here. I know you've 
you've you had a uh, opening reception for your book that you did, uh, Negative Papers, mm-hmm. with Ted, Ted Sweeney. Yeah, yeah, Ted. So I guess I just wanted to touch a little bit on not just your your sound art, but your actual visual art. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that you've, you know, a lot like most of us here in the Midwest, we've got a very dingy, dirty black and white fucked up and photocopied kind of style kind of yeah. style going um you know but I, I'd say that out of the out of many you are one of the one of the highlights for sure but were you were you always into like collage art and stuff or was that something that kind of came as a result of being no. exposed to like it's you know like the punk scene and stuff yeah I don't know um man I think I was definitely collaging um before I even started my first like noise project or whatever, but yeah. uh, um, I remember collaging <laughs> at a young age. Yeah. My aunt would always, you know, she guess do artwork and stuff, babysitting us or whatever. But well, I think when I first started listening to like Macronympha and shit like that, like you know, that like totally just open my eyes to what the fuck I want to look at you know right like, right. like holy shit yeah so I think it was from that do you have a do you have any sort of theme that you tend to stick with when you're making pieces like do you like look look for a specific not, not a specific but do you look for like a, a certain kind or like a general kind of image are you going to similar sources that kind of stuff mm-hmm. man I don't know I uh I definitely stick to the darker you know sort of you know themes if you want to call it uh, i used to do a lot of you know overly sexualized you know collage pieces and shit like that and i, th- I think i've like stepped away from that a little bit yeah i'm not i don't know i kind of just you know i think i know what i want to see and i kind of just you know try to piece it together i guess you know i don't really have any sort of like concept i guess it depends on what i'm working on because i work on some different like projects and you know art for other people and other people's releases and stuff like that uh i think that's the beauty of looking at a collage piece it's you know you kind of i don't know you can kind of create your own you know story or you know you know just you you may not be you know accurate or whatever but you know I, i i i like to have i like to make pieces that you know people can kind of I don't know, think about maybe, you know? Sure. I don't know if that makes any sure. sense. Your your pieces tend to kind of have, like, a fluidity to them, whereas, like, uh, with with stuff like I do, I try to kind of have a very... Even if they visually are, are fluid, like, the the images themselves have very conflicting context. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, with yours, they seem to have a shared context that mm-hmm. that you sort of take and, and, and true to the nature of doing collages it's got like a very Frankenstein nature where you've taken these various dark images and you've put them all together to tell an even grander darker Mm -hmm. story so you know Negative Papers came out and was gone almost right away I had to like I had to wheel and deal with you to to get a copy (laughs) do you do you have plans to do another one with Ted or um, going out by your solo there was definitely talks but um, since he moved away uh we don't talk as much, um, just because we, I guess, we're both doing our own thing. Yeah. That sort of project takes a, a lot of time. Sure. And a lot of, uh, you know, energy. Uh, I mean, when we were living together, 
uh, well, within the same city. Um, I mean, I can't imagine doing something like that, you know. Long distance. Yeah, long distance. I don't know. I, we, we'd really have to, like, be in the same room, like, you know, tackling tackling the thing. Sure. Uh, we've talked about it. He's talked about it, but um, I don't know. I think it'll probably happen sometime soon, maybe, maybe down the line, but... I don't know. Kind of got a lot of my plate, and he probably does too. I'm not sure. I'd love to though. What's uh What's on that plate? You got some new got some new material headed coming out. Yeah, I have. Uh, I actually have a lot of my plate. Um, musically speaking, uh, Depravity Label's got a bunch of releases planned. Um, some vinyl, uh, Jason Krumer LP, shit ton of tapes. Uh, no Dreams is doing a lot of is going to be doing a lot of recording soon. Doing an LP for Torn Light and uh, tapes for several labels. <laughs> trying to get trying to get tackled, you know, one thing at a time. Yeah. But yeah, very excited about um, getting down to recording some shit. Yeah. And putting so, shit together. So for No No Dreams is is your solo project. Mm-hmm. Um, for that project. You know, sonic, sonically very different from Machismo. Yeah. You know, not not really power electronics so much. Yeah. A lot of, lot, lot more atmosphere, like harsh yeah. atmosphere in it. Yeah. Do you do you have like a? I keep using the word theme, and I'm trying to find a better word. Yeah. But do you have like a, a, a sort of artistic space that you're operating in with with No Dream that you, do you find do you define that separately from what you're doing with Machismo? Oh, definitely. Um... No Dreams is very me, very much me. I mean, the style uh, definitely represents my, you know, this uh, personality. Very laid back type of dude. Yeah, I love listening to fucking atmosphere, you know, texture. Not the rapper. Yeah, <laughs> not the, I mean, uh, I have listened to atmosphere, a slug. Um, yeah, it's all it's all personal. That's very per- a very personal project. I I don't know. There's no, there's not many lyrics, but um, yeah, that's something I really really enjoy doing. Yeah. Nice outlet for you know a lot of negative negativity I, I I have to deal with or whatever you know sure. just weird bad vibes sure. I dwell on or whatever. So yeah. Do you think that being able to being being in let me rephrase this. So do you think that having your artistic outputs be it machismo, rectalogenics, no dreams, your your art it's your visual art uh it's all focused on on uh negativity. Do you think that that has helped you be less negative in your in your life outside of art or do you think it's created more negativity for that or I guess I'm saying do you think of it more as an outlet for that negativity or do you think that it's also almost like a feedback loop where it's generating as much negativity as you're releasing I've experienced both man yeah um, it's definitely been an, I mean I can't even imagine how the fuck I would where I'd be right now if I didn't even you know know about being able to express myself in that sort of way um, but at the same time, man, there's been times where the shit gets to your head mm-hmm. and, you know, you're out of town and, you know, you, 
you've got you know obligations back home and you know your fucking life is falling apart because you're just like consumed by you know what the fuck you're doing out here and so yeah man sometimes you gotta step away because those feelings are fucking real man and you know it's not necessarily safe to to you know consume yourself in it you know all the time uh, yeah, I've come to realize that yeah that's something I've definitely um something I've done has happened before mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah I feel it's like it's fucking real yeah yeah I feel like when we were we were out together you were kind of dealing with that a little bit oh like, yeah man yeah you, know, you seemed up. like you were you're sort of lost in that negativity you weren't really sure which which direction that was flowing you know yeah you man you know, just from an outsider's perspective. Totally, yeah, it's fucking harsh. I, I find it so interesting that so many of us have that struggle with that balance, with that darkness, and yet no one I talk to thus far can really think about life without it. You know, mm-hmm. like I, you know, I've, I've said often that I feel like I've been involved in an abusive relationship with mm-hmm. punk mm-hmm. for the mo- the better the majority if not all of my adult life where you know i it treats me like shit but i don't know what to do without it right and uh you know i guess that's a very hyperbolic of me but but you know it's it seems like so many of us are having that same issue with the, with that balance with the negativity in our art like where we don't know what we do without it but at the same time we're teetering on either being able to use it to our advantage or right. being consumed by right, it and exactly. falling off that that yeah. edge. You know, I think that's part of what this podcast has been is is exploring all the commonalities between all these different people that that I know and I respect as artists and how we all despite being very different and despite having very different personal histories this this form of of sound that we've ex- that we're exploring and it has us has us experiencing things in such similar ways yeah and yeah the the emotions are real yeah, yeah the emotions are very real yeah. if there's anything I can say about your projects both uh, or, or you know from Machismo No Dreams to Rectal to Depravity Label it's all very real you know it's all very visceral it's, it's yeah it's that gut feeling um, yeah that's all it is you know, and that's to me, it's like, it's a, it's a perfect, perfect fucked upness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't imagine, I can't imagine it. The experiences of, of of someone living in Chicago, being expressed any any better. Yeah. Than than through the through the art that you've done yourself, and also the art that you've helped put out there. In, yeah. in the world, you know. Yeah. Thanks, dude. I'm trying not to be a, a shitty label, you know, but it's just, it's, you know, life gets in the way, man. It's very you hard. Uh, I it's certainly hard. understand. I think I've lost all of my European friends at this point. <laughs> yeah. But you guys, your postage is way too much. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, i trying to think if there's anything else. Is there anything else you want to touch on? I mean, I know we talk a lot about noise and we talk a lot about stuff, but, you know, it's, this is, it's just as important to talk about anything else. You know, I, I want to, if you want to ask me some questions, you can too, but... Ooh. You know, the, the floor is the floor is yours, I suppose. Yeah, I'm not a very good speaker, but yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything that comes to mind. Yeah, you've recently got a dog in the last like year and a half. Yeah. How, how's 
how's having a dog, man? How's being a, a noise dude with a dog? Because that's it's cool. It's, it's the true. life for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend friend moved out of here, but uh, so I've had to like take on full responsibility, full you know, yeah. full you know, parental duties as a single dog dad. Yeah. It changes how you can approach everything. Yeah, man. Before I used to just be like, "Yeah, I'm going to go play out of town." Yeah. And now I'm like, "Shit, I got I got eight hours. I got eight <laughs> hours to do all this and get back home." Yeah. But uh, you know, well, thanks so much for for coming on and for for opening up. Thanks, dude. Um, let's do some let's do some plugs and wrap this up. Uh, yeah. Where can people go to hear some some of Chicago's bleakest sounds? Fuck. Well, Chicago's bleakest sounds, man. Oh, I guess I guess I should approach it their way. Let me let me let me ask the question again. I'm gonna yeah. frame the question for you. So, what depravity level's got a band camp, right? Yeah, it's yeah. I'm very bad with the band camp. I've been uh, uploading shit to the SoundCloud though. Oh, really? Is yeah. it the same thing, just depravity level? Yeah, it's like. Yeah, depra- uh, what was it SoundCloud backslash depravity label? Okay, and it's depravity yeah. level. Yeah. Dot bandcamp dot com. Yeah, or something like um, that. Yeah. Is there anyone in Chicago or the the greater Chicago area that either uh, you're you've done work with, or you're doing work with, or you haven't done work with that you want to like just shout out to the world? Check this check this person out. Or? Man, there's a lot though. There yeah. it truly is a lot of shit. There's like. Man, as far as the techno scene goes, there's a lot of cool techno happening. Um, Club Li- Club Ninety Nine dudes um, trying to open up a new space. So when that happens, that's gonna be fucking sick. Nice. Um, hub for fucking all things. Yeah, good techno. Oh, man, I don't know what else. Fuck, I'm drawing a blank. There's a lot of shit. No, we're not going to give you the address to Club Rectum on the podcast. No. It's a secret. Secret. But you enter through the rear, though. You do enter through the rear. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very bad with, like, you know, plugging shit. Yeah, I am, too. Yeah. That's why, that's why I, try to, I try to help people plug it. But what's your website? You got a blog? Yeah. To probably I fucking label have to blog. update it. Blogspot.com. <laughs> yeah, I'm so fucking terrible yeah. at it. Don't, don't expect... A good internet presence from depravity level yeah. or compulsion rights because we're both really bad at promotion yeah. and and stuff. Stench forums is about as uh, yeah much effort as I put into it lately. But yeah, fuck what you think. I'm working <laughs> over here. I'm gonna stick it out this winter again. Yeah. Yeah. Not looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's too too fucking cold. It's time to get into fucking uh, yeah N- noise hibernation mode. Yeah. This is the time where all the noise projects in the Midwest record. Yeah, dude, seriously, all, everybody's been talking about it. Houses snowbound. Yeah, uh, uh, stockpiling the fucking gear I've been getting, so yeah. I can fucking yeah, just sit in my room and fucking record. Yeah, Fuck yeah, yeah, book a couple bangers. Oh, yeah. You know, in December, January. Yeah, yeah, you let it all out. Fuck yeah, yeah. All right, cool. I think we got plenty of good stuff here sweet thank you again man no problem dude much love
mad at the fact that I didn't fight back. Right. Uh, and he would say, you know, what, you know, you gotta stand up for yourself. Should I tell them to chill or? Let's just go see what they're doing real quick, yeah. Or what? Let's go check and see what they're doing. 